upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Podcast. Welcome to the two-man power trip. I, of course, am JP John Paz, and today we have a very, very special guest. He's a former TNA TV X Division and World Tag Team Champion, a former Ring of Honor World Pure Champion, and, of course, an IWGP and GHC World Tag Team Champion, Mr. Doug Williams. Doug, welcome to the two-man power trip. Yep. Hello, John. Yep. Thank you for having me. That, that was a great intro. You rolled all of those off so smoothly. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yes. Quite a career. You're looking back. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention all the British and European titles I've held. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been fantastic. Yeah. I can't even go begin to start naming all the other titles. It's just too many. You know. <laughs> go on Wikipedia. Yeah. Just read yeah. off the list. We there all Yes. Night. Yep. <laughs> now, as far as you and kind of what you're up to. The cool thing that, that I noticed is you're back. You are kind of unretired. You're back. What kind of led to this? Uh, there's a number of things, really. Um, I think the main thing was just, uh, obviously, the, the global pandemic for the last year and a half um, or so, uh, sitting at home, doing absolutely nothing, and thinking to myself, you know what, life's too short to not do the things that you really enjoy. And if I can, if I'm still capable and I'm still able to get out there and wrestle and entertain the fans who no doubt will be chomping at the bit to come back and watch shows. Um, then that's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm, I'm why, why waste your life? You know, that's just, uh, it's pointless. And I think that's really been brought home by the, um, by the situation in the last, last year. Uh, coupled with that as well is that I had some injuries which really needed attending to. Um, and at the time, I thought they were probably, uh, you know, sort of injuries that I wouldn't come back from. But in actuality, I think um, I'm pretty much I'm okay. I mean, I'm not a thousand percent better than I was, but I'm. Uh, it'll be manageable. Certainly more manageable than it was in 2018 when I retired. Um, and thirdly, um, the British team probably needs a little bit of a boost on its return, um, and I really want to want to contribute to helping the younger talent and helping the promoters build the business back up to how it was in 2019, 2020, before everything hit, you know, um, not just the pandemic, but other things, unfortunately, that occurred um, in uh, summer of last year. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, I really want to get back out there, help the younger talent, help build up the promotion again and, and, and give the fans what I'm sure they're dying to to come back and see amazing live wrestling and great shows it's funny too because you know like <laughs> wrestlemania happens i'm I'm like yeah, i'm not really interested but this year i'm not going to go but i was just more kind of interested i was looking at the tickets i was like man i'm dying to go see wrestling i kind of want to get out there again i feel like so many fans are in the same boat as me that we just want to mm -hmm. go see live shows well that's it exactly i think you know just just getting out there and interacting with other people and just having a great time in that whole atmosphere people are just missing that aren't they and uh 
And you're absolutely right, doesn't it? I mean, and it's not just, obviously, it's not just confined to wrestling. It's probably live gigs and going to see comedians or going to watch a play, a theatre, anything, anything, anything like that. I think people are really, really going to be, um, I said it before, chomping at the bit to get out there and, and, and do those sort of things. Do you keep up with like current wrestling? I know obviously the pandemic kind of leaves only a couple promotions really running, but do you keep up with like who's good, who's not good, who you like, who you don't like, and kind of really keep studying the business? Um, I the only show I watch on the regular is AEW because it's on a, a, a broadcast network here. Um, I do have the WWE network, but I use it to watch old stuff generally. Mm-hmm old territorial wrestling and things like that. Um, I don't keep up with much else, except if I hear about a specific match that people are raving about and saying are really good, and I, I, I like to try and watch that. Because really, now, I'm watching... I watch wrestling to be entertained and to enjoy watching it. Um, I'm trying not to have too much of a critical eye, which is what a lot of wrestlers... You know, people that have been in the business have a tendency to do. So I just want to sit back and kind of watch it and, and be in, enjoy what I'm watching, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm past the point where I'm watching it to educate myself, and I'm past the point where I'm going to sit there. And I don't want to be a grumpy old man saying, oh, they're not doing this. So I just watch it to entertain, my, you know, just be entertained by it, which is what the same as any fan who's watching it should be doing as well. Yeah, absolutely. I feel yeah. like a lot of critical eyes are definitely watching wrestling more and more and really mm-hmm. kind of, you know, saying a lot of negative things about it. But is there some positives you can take away from watching AEW? Is there somebody you like and maybe kind of think like, oh, well, this is a great guy I'd like to maybe work with? Yeah, well, there's some, I mean, there's, there's some fantastic talent there. You know, there's guys, what I like about some aspects of AEW and the guys that are there is that they know their characters and they play those characters really well. And it comes across that way on screen. Um, some of the younger guys that, that that you can tell that in two, three years, they're just going to be absolutely phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it's 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 um, it's very interesting to watch because there's large dynamic in, in, in what you see on a lot of TV, a lot of wrestling TV shows, and um, you know, with AEW, I, I watch it as well because. It, 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 you know, I, I don't know a lot of the guys that work there. I mean, there's guys, obviously, there's guys that I work with in TNA that are, that are there now, but a lot of the younger channels I use, I've never, never, never worked with them on, on the, on, you know, on the independent scene or anything like that. So I'm always interested to see what they bring to the table and what they're doing now. So that's why. What do you think about the style? It's so much different than maybe what you're used to, kind of more technical and stuff. And there are a lot of flip flopping and flying going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess they play to the audience of uh, you know that that the, um, what their their audience wants to see. And I think if they if they're if they're happy doing that, then that's fine. I I do. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. Um, sweep it under the carpet. I was obviously trained in a certain way, brought up in a certain way and um, told what what professional wrestling is, you know, from a very, very early point in my career. And, and, and a lot of what I see is odds to what I think professional wrestling is and how it should be uh, presented. But that doesn't mean it's right per se. It doesn't mean that, that, that what they're doing is wrong. What it, It's really determined by the people watching it. Wrestling at the end of the day is entertainment. It's specifically designed for an audience to watch and be entertained by. That is its sole purpose for existing, isn't it? So if that's what people want to see, then that is what, you know, that is, they're giving what people want to see. Um, whether there's more people that want to see something different, want to see wrestling as it should have, as it was before, I don't know. That's uh, That is yet to be tested, isn't it? feel like it's getting less and less popular if you look at the ratings you know some weeks you'll get a celebrity or sting or somebody shows up and it'll pop a rating but then it goes right back down to you know eight hundred fifty thousand or whatever it is it's well under a million so it's one of those things where it's like man maybe that style isn't working maybe change it up and and get a little old school maybe by the same token and it's very difficult nowadays 
to equate ratings in the modern in modern times to those that have gone before because forms of entertainment and platforms for which people can watch and you know you know be the platforms that exist that people can watch has expanded to such a great level that you you can't measure them by the same metrics as you might have measured ratings 15 years ago and you know it's i can understand it's a very difficult thing to do but is it really that unpopular or is it just that so many more people are watching it online they're watching it at you know, on different platforms to what how regular ratings are generally measured. How, how do you measure that? I don't know. I, I personally don't watch any broadcast television or cable. I watch everything on demand or I watch everything on streaming or, I, you know, I watch Netflix or I watch Amazon Prime or I'll, or I'll just catch up with something on, on, on the on-demand service. Very rarely watch something live. Usually it's it's sports or you know or i can't miss show that everybody's talking about but um yeah how do you measure those metrics i don't i don't know yeah it's tough it's funny because a buddy of mine asked me oh well you know what shows do you watch i'm like oh bosh goliath uh ozark you know like all these shows and you realize like wait none of those shows are actually on tv they're all from streaming services exactly yeah 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 and it's funny really because you think and it's probably like a data protection thing or something that it'd be easier to measure hmm. out of people watching it. But I guess, you know, there's also what privacy laws or something about that that doesn't make that data freely available to them. And it's funny, no matter what, less and less people yeah. watch, more money is getting poured into wrestling. WWE just made a billion dollars for the network to be put onto Peacock. But it's so but if you look at their numbers, this is the lowest ratings they've gotten ever of all time. It's just it's funny the way things work. I know their YouTube numbers are good and, and different metrics are good, but man, if you just if you just went by ratings, you'd be like, There's no way somebody's gonna give them a billion dollars. And nope, they got clearly clearly someone's using different different <laughs> metrics different methods of measurement aren't they <laughs> to maybe you and i might you know because you know the, the, these the business executives that are making those decisions they're clearly intelligent people you know so there must be some some reason there must be some attraction to doing that that maybe us as average viewers from the outside don't see yeah it's funny the library is you know like that was like the big focus like hogan austin and rock were like pushed and it's like wait did you guys have a whole current roster it's like no those guys were like pushed towards that peacock stuff like it's just funny thinking like really? oh, i guess people love that old stuff like you and me we love to watching that old stuff yeah yeah it's funny isn't it really it's you know, that is strange i guess but um yeah nostalgia does sell but for how long you know that's true now, mm. as far as you and thinking about your career, the first time I remember seeing you or hearing of you was 2002 Ring of Honor. I know, obviously, you started well before that and in, sure. in, in the UK in the early 90s. When you're going through and kind of becoming a star, I know the Fit Finleys of the world, the Regals of the world. I mean, there's so many guys that kind of came before you and got noticed. But how did you get noticed You know, by the, by the people here in the States? Oh, interesting, really. I mean, generally, it's word of mouth and networking, you know, like... Um... A few a few American guys came over to England, and I worked them on some English shows. And you know, they 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 enjoyed working with me, so they went back to America and they told X or Y promoter about me, and and that got me booked. And then it kind of mushroomed from there. Very very different to how it how it is nowadays, where it's all very social media based and and, and putting yourself out there online. It was all very much a, a, a yeah, I can say word of mouth and networking. But I I mean, I do things like send VHS videotapes out to promotions and, you know, um, resumes on bits of paper and eight by tens. I'd send out huge packages to loads of promotions and, you know, a few of them stuck and, 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 and just, you know, just build your, build your network from there. You know, it's different time. It was a very, um, yeah, it's very different to now. Yeah. It sounds so, you know, um, what do you call that? Uh, archaic or whatever, right? If, if, you, if you were to say that now, but you're right. You always see those stories of certain guys um, like Alex Porteau brings the VHS tape to Skandar Akbar and makes him watch the tape. And look, I can work and I can run, you know, like you hear like yeah. cool stories, but you know, obviously can't get that anymore. But I do like that. Cause I always talked to Dr. Tom and he said, yeah, they used to get tapes by the ton at WB and he was in charge of watching the tapes. But even when I was at OVW for TNA back in 2011, um, 
uh, old um, uh, can't think of his name now. Danny Davis. He used to get DVDs like dozens and dozens every day, mm. <laughs> just just through the door. And that's you know that was after he had an affiliation with WWE. So it's crazy, really. And that's only we're talking about a period that's only ten years ago. How yeah. things have moved on even from then, you know. So. Do you go to Pro Wrestling Noah before you come to the States? Were you a part of Noah? Um, no, I started um, my first show for Noah was May 2003. So I was okay. already published with Ring of Honor at that point. So did they notice you from Ring of Honor or they noticed you from the UK scene? I don't really know, to be honest with you. Hmm. They never gave me that information. I mean, they obviously noticed me from somewhere. And I think it's the fact that even, you know, Ring of Honor being a part of that, I was getting some global recognition. At some scale, and I think it, that's that's where they took it from because they were looking for someone, uh, you know, like um, they were looking for someone to do their English style within their promotion because all Japan previously, and then Noah, they always had an English guy of some sort to do that style in the promotion, like a little selling point. Um, so I kind of came around, around at the right time, but I was also getting that global recognition at that point too. When you go to Ring of Honor at first, obviously the Murphy Wreck, if, if anyone's ever been there, nothing to write <laughs> home about. <you> know? <laughs> nothing great. It's almost like the ECW arena. It's like, wow, this is it. This is this, you know, this is the building. So what do you kind of think when you first get into like Ring of Honor? Because, I mean, they would catch fire and become kind of that underground promotion that everybody was talking about for several years. Yeah, it's funny. I know you mentioned the, the venue there and, um, to me, it's it's no different to a, a hundred different venues I've seen on, on on the independent circuit wherever I go in the world, and um, and always always made me laugh. You know, as as a wrestler, when you look at it, when you're on the inside looking out, and you think, man, these guys are getting all this exposure, and and, and, and you know, it, it, it's seen as such a big thing. But really, at the end of the day, this is the same as any other independent show that I do. <laughs> you, know? you know, you change in the basement, and then you go out into the the, the the gymnasium hall and you wrestle in front of 500 fans well i've done that in 20 different countries but by virtue of the fact it was such a new concept in america and obviously america is kind of the centerpiece of western professional wrestling it got that that, that extraordinary exposure um which was, was fantastic and fantastic for me as well being part of that too but it's when you're actually there you're like this is the same as any other professional wrestling show I've done. <laughs> Different for the wrestler than it is for the fans, for sure. Oh, oh yeah, I'm sure it is, 100%, 100%. Although you still have that knowledge of, oh, that's what the fans expect, so that's what I'm going to deliver to them tonight, you know, because different crowds expect different things, and the Ring of Honor audience, uh, we knew, you know, the, the roster, we knew what they expected, and we, and we tried to deliver that to them. Yeah, and that classic uh, four-way match kind of, you know, mm. led, led to everybody thinking like, okay, this is going to be great work, like uh, in-ring work, great mm. abil technical ability. Could be some spots and stuff too, but I feel like uh, in-ring work was was at the forefront, you know, shaking the hands and being respectful and having clean Definitely. finishes. So they kind of went about it a completely different way than some other promotions. Definitely, yeah. I mean, and, and, and they set their stall out early. They, they, they said what they were all about. They followed through on it in large, in large part, and um, the fans respected that because the fans expected something and knew what to expect, and they were and they were given that. Did that first exposure there in that four way and and that whole um, just seeing their ring of honor? Did that really put you on the map? as like wow, everyone's finally taking notice. I know you had been wrestling for several years, but do you think that kind of put you on the map and everyone started taking notice of you after that? Yeah, I think well, certainly in America they did. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, and uh, it, it certainly helped my bookings elsewhere in the world. I went from being—it's weird, really, because in Eng in Great Britain, obviously you're a British wrestler and you get booked as a British wrestler on shows. I was then booked as if I was a foreign a foreign talent. You know, I was booked as as a Ring of Honor wrestler coming in for a special appearance. Mm -hmm. You know, much akin to many of my American counterparts who are booked in the same way. So that I was kind of looked as a special attraction more than just a regular British guy on the tour with everybody else. And that was, that was an odd feeling, but it was also, you know, it was, um, it was flattering. 
they didn't necessarily have contracts, right? They might just get for your first dib at booking. Is that kind of how it worked with them? Or like, is it just like a normal indie show at that point where, you know, you're just getting called, you take the booking. There's no signed contract, right? As far as no, like, you work, just... have to work a certain amount of dates. They didn't do that at that point. yet. No, right? no, it was just emailed me the dates. Can I do these? Yes, I can. Okay. And they sent me the plane ticket. There wasn't any contracts involved. No, not that stage. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I feel like that would definitely be way too early for them to kind of get in, into that. But, man, they were definitely, for a few years, I mean, they were really on a roll. Samoa Joe was the, the Ring of Honor world champion. You had right. a great, great title match that I was there for. I mean, really, really good stuff. So uh, what was your kind of just memories, if you can remember, the, the title match against Samoa Joe? Um, I can remember it briefly. I, I remember the... <laughs> The the only the, the one 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 thing I really remember about it is he used to do the uh, out of the corner. He was in the corner. And he ran in. He gave you like the kind of um, you know the 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 Yuranagi. Yeah, that's it. I was going to say rock bottom, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and I yep. absolutely spiked me on my head because um, I was probably maybe a little bit over enthusiastic with my jumping. So I just I remember that specifically more than anything else <laughs> from that match. I don't know why, but. Uh, yeah, that was that was um, good times, and I'm, I'm. It's a shame, really, because obviously Noah came only a year after I started with Ring of Honor. So it's obviously I have to make that decision. What do I what do I dedicate my time to? And yeah. it was Noah because that was always my ultimate goal in wrestling was to go to Japan. So I had a year in Ring of Honor, um, before, and it was curtailed by that, unfortunately. But you know, like I say, sometimes yeah, I, like I said, you have to try to, Sometimes you have to make that decision. Um, so yeah, as my Noah Noah work increased, my kind of Ring of Honor presence kind of petered away a little bit. You know what's interesting about Noah at that point too is they became the number one Japanese promotion mm. for years. Mm. It was New Japan, and then All Japan. They kind of fought back and forth, and they're both so popular at the same time in the nineties. But then New Japan's starting to pull away. Uh, Giant Baba obviously passes away, and then Masawa leaves, and Kenta Kobashi leaves all Japan. I mean, they just had an influx of guys that just were the top of their guys, top talent. Boom, they go to Noah. Noah becomes the number one thing. I don't know if a lot of people realize that, how popular Noah was at one point. No, and they ran the Tokyo Dome twice. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they were really on fire when I was there. I always make a little joke with my friends. I say, yeah, I always go to promotions and they're on fire, and as soon as I leave, they kind of die die out a little bit. The same, same with TNA. I was I was there in TNA during its absolute peak in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yep. And then I leave, and they go. <laughs> uh, so so uh, yeah, I always I always, I always laugh about that a little bit. But um, you're right. In oh five oh six, um, Noah were were the top promotion in Japan. It was fantastic. I mean, it was great working there. Do you like working Japan like that style? Obviously, it's a little bit stiff, a little bit snug. Do you prefer that style? Yeah, yeah you say a little bit stiff, but I think um, what you see on TV doesn't necessarily follow through on the house shows. They do. <laughs> 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 um, just to give a little bit of a secret away there, but um, yeah, no, I love working in Japan. It's fantastic. I mean, it's everything that I wanted to be as a professional wrestler working there, especially for Noah too. Because I was a huge All Japan fan in the in the early to late nineties. So watching all those guys and then actually getting in the ring and being able to wrestle with them as well, it's fantastic. So that's kind of your era of like being a fan would be that all Japan style, and that's what you like the most as a fan. Yeah, well, when I was training as a wrestler, and, and, and my first few years in the business, that was the the mainstay of what I watched. If I got tapes, if I got tapes in, you know, from traders, it was always always the all Japan shows. You know, even though. Anything they did could never translate to what I was doing on the British scene at the time. It just wouldn't right. work, you know. But it was just that was a, what I was a fan of watching, trying to educate myself and learn on on what they did, um, you know, so that if it ever occurred down the line that I would work in Japan, I, I would be familiar with what I needed to do, and and, and so it came to pass, which is which is lucky, isn't it? So, hmm. who were some of your guys? Who were some of your favorites when you were watching all Japan? Oh, I mean, uh, Kabashi and um, Kabashi Mazawa, the usual guys. Uh, I used to love the, the 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 Americans they brought in, Stan Hansen and and, and Steve Williams. I thought fantastic. Um, 
I was always, yeah, I mean, it was always the top guys. I always used to watch the uh, Kawada matches with Mizawa and, and all, all those all those kind of heavyweight heavyweight bouts. Just, just. I mean, I watch them. I watch them in recent times. I think outside of one or two moves, they're not actually that stiff as people seem to think they are. And I always remember the really stiff or the really brutal occurrences within that match. But if you look at the, if you watch the match and the structure of the match and everything, they're quite well paced. And they are they're quite measured. And they do take care of each other, except for the odd one or two things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just uh, it just I, I just used to love it. Great stuff. I mean, if you go back, they always say, "Does yeah. it hold up today? Does this hold up today?" That stuff holds up better than today's wrestling. Oh, it does. It does because it's still, it's almost believable still, isn't it? In some yep. in some contexts, yeah, yeah. Like if you watch Kawada Misawa, the, any any part of those matches that I feud, mm-hmm. and and I, I know, like obviously the the June third, nineteen ninety four matches, that's like the the biggie or whatever. But their whole series of matches, you go back and watch, like, wow, this is better than everything I'm watching today. Yeah. And everything adds to it, doesn't it? The crowd is is crazy, and yep. I just love the whole spectacle of having all the guys around ringside as well, because it's so important that yep. they're all there watching, and and you know the photographers, and you have the, the the ceremony of it all, where they have the guy come in the ring and read the scroll, you know, before it's all announced. Mm-hmm. It just adds to the the feel of it being a proper sporting event that sets it apart from just being an exhibition of pro wrestling, which is what most stuff is nowadays yeah i always feel like with the fans too a little bit of a misnomer as far as like oh they're quiet they sit on their hands they get pretty intense especially Mm -hmm. as the match progresses. i mean they get nuts downright crazy they do yeah absolutely yeah it's funny that that's kind of the uh uh that's kind of the ongoing perception of japanese fans and maybe outside of tokyo it might be and some of the other big cities they're probably a little bit more passionate but um, yeah, no, they they go they do go crazy in the appropriate times for the appropriate things. So. Oh yeah, yeah. As far as Noah and you, you were a, a GHC tag team champion with Two Cold Scorpio, who was really just Scorpio, I guess, really in in Japan. But man, yeah. he is if he's not one of the best high flyers, he's got to be, you know, in the top ten. And think about it, he's not a lightweight at all. <laughs> so oh, no. his athletic ability is insane. It is, and he's still doing it. You know, when I was tagging with him, he was what in his forties, late forties, mm-hmm. at that point, and he's still he's doing all this incredible stuff. And as you say, he's not a he's probably the same height and weight as I am, which I, I'm two two thirty five maybe, mm-hmm. uh, six foot. In, in, you know, um, yeah, he was, uh, he, he, and we complimented each other quite well because he did do all that crazy stuff, and then I just bring him down to the mat. Bore the people. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool though. He teams with Vader. You know, wins the wins the tag titles and teams with yeah. you and wins the tag titles. Well, that, was a, good, that yeah. was a that was a big joke I used to make when I came in because I came on my first tour was the first tour after Vader got fired, and I'm like, oh, I'm the replacement for Vader. <laughs> Can I have his wages, please? They're like, no. <laughs> Those are some pretty big shoes, literally and figuratively, to uh, yeah. step into. Yeah, well, I wasn't prepared to put that belly, get that belly like him. So no. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though, for you. It's like, technically speaking, you could really say, hey, I'm really replacing Vader. I mean, some, yeah, I mean, it's pretty big, um, not even shoes to fill, but just pretty big uh, star power, really, sure. coming sure. from Vader, especially in Japan. I know, I know. But um, I think um, what I actually was, as I said to you earlier, I think they always had a token British wrestler. When in all Japan, a lot they had, you had a, a guy called Pete Roberts. I don't know if you, you know who Pete Roberts is. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then um, subsequently they had the Canadian guy Johnny Smith, who they used to sell as the, the kind of the cousin of Davy Boy Smith. Yes, and he, he got quite ill towards the end of um, you know uh, just before they split from all Japan. And I think when when Noah split from all Japan, he, he decides to stay with. He decided to stay with All Japan or he was quite ill, so he couldn't make the move anyway. So I was quite fortunate in that they were looking for that. There was that spot there for a British guy in Noah at that time. Um, and so that's what helped me, I think, get get, get in there. Were you all also always working Europe and going to Noah? Like, were you keeping your schedule real busy? You do the tour, whatever it is, three-week tour, and then back to England or you know back to the European scene? Well, yeah, the, well, Noah would group my tours together, so I would generally do... 
uh, five or six tours straight. And then I'll be back. So six months for Noah, then back in, in, in Europe for six months. Um, and I'd always do the winter tours for Noah. And I used to say to them, uh, I, I, well, I didn't complain, but I would be like, I'm always here when it's really, really cold. Why is this? And I, it only occurred to me later on, like a few years later, I was like, hold on. The flights to Japan from the UK in the winter are about half the price they are during the summer. <laughs> so That's it's a it decision. Bring the bring the European guys over in the in the winter when it, you know the flights are uh, a bit cheaper. <laughs> it's all about the money in the business. Hey, That's all. Know, hey, I'm not, I'm not complaining. They gave me six months worth of tours every year for um you know for 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 six years. So it was great. It was just always it, it just occurred to me later. I was like, why did I never go there in the summer? <laughs> That's right because uh, the flights double in price. <laughs> so did you get to work on any of those Tokyo Dome shows? No, I didn't because I held them. They were both in July and they were both one-offs yeah. as well. So they weren't part of tours. So um, I think they brought, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but they might have brought some of their foreigners that were there from the very start, like Bison Smith mm-hmm. or someone of that nature. But no, I, I didn't do that. Unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. And Bison, he was one of those guys who was like, he can't almost like a can't miss. Like he, he's going to be great. And it's a shame kind of what happened, but he was a beast. Very much so, yeah, and he would have um, he would have fit in quite well in the in, even in today's scene, really. Mm-hmm. He's so different looking, you know. He's just so unique in how he how he was built and had a huge head, you know, and just yep. fantastic, fantastic. I can see those Japanese fans being scared of him, you know, like thinking like this guy's like just traditional scary uh, gaijin uh, heel, you know. Absolutely, yeah, and they love. I mean, you know, the, the office loved him for that. They they thought he was great, and he, he played that character up really well, really well. Now, just going back to Ring of Honor, I wanted to mention the Pure Title because they brought it back recently, which I was kind of surprised by, but I like it. I like the presentation of it. I always like the Pure Rules. I know it, people are like, oh, but it, there's no physicality. No, the matches are the same. But there's some Pure Rules to it. It's just a little mm-hmm. bit of a difference. Not exactly what you think it is, where it's just oh, pure catch wrestling. There's a little mix of strong style. There's everything to it, but with little added rules. Did you like the Pure Division and the Pure Title in Ring of Honor when you were there? Yeah, I did. It made you, you know, it gave you an opportunity to think a little bit more and, and to tell more of a, you know, a, a different kind of story. You know, you utilize the rope break rules in there and and work around that. You know, I, I enjoyed it very much so. And it kind of fit to British style anyway, really. So, uh, yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And I was I was I mean, I was over moon uh, last year when they signed me to do some pure, you know, to do the pure title tournament, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Things happened and it never it never came through. But yeah, I was really really looking forward to that. When things so, start up, you know, yeah, go on. Sorry, oh, I was going to say when things start opening up, are you going to be? Yeah, yeah I'm back? still contracted to them, and my 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 contract runs out at the end of this year. So hopefully later on in this year, if things open up, I'll be over to uh, definitely take part in some 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 matches. Some guys are just made for that division. You, Jonathan Gresham, I think it would be great. It would be yeah, well, that, was, uh, that was on the cards, unfortunately. But unfortunately, yep. Um, but you know, hey, let's let's hold on, hold on for the future. It will happen at some point. Very true. Yeah, it seems yeah. like things are starting to open back up again and, and kind of, you know, get back to hopefully normalcy or at least somewhat normalcy. But I just loved it when you were the pure champion in Ring of Honor. I just thought that was like absolute perfect. Uh, booking and perfect pairing to put you in that division with that title. Mm. No, no, I, no. I mean, I agree. I, I, it was, it was, it was great for me. Great exposure, and uh, hopefully, I did the the title proud and 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 represented what they wanted to 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 um, show in in respect to the pure title. Um, and I, I, unfortunately, again, because of my Noah commitments, that was the sort of thing that got cut short. Um, uh, you know, if things have been different, I might, have, I might have run longer with the belt. Oh, uh, I know Ring of Honor, they kind of uh, have a lot of their stuff on Honor Club, which is their kind of streaming service. Oh, sure, yeah. Okay. Do they have stuff from that period as well? Because obviously it's different. Ownership. Oh, yeah. I think that might be like their most popular, most requested period is fr- probably from like 02 to 07 or 02 to 08 because you always see stuff or or you did kind of before where they'd be mm-hmm. like, Oh, we're releasing 2002 and they really released 2003. It was a lot of the early stuff they were focused on because so many people were asking and clamoring for it. 
Oh, wow, that's brilliant. Great. I'll have to uh, jump on there myself then and have a look. Really, of some of the old days. Yes, yes. So when you first start and like kind of winding down Ring of Honor, or maybe winding down Noah a little bit, when do you first start getting into TNA and, and how are you first contacted to get into TNA? Well, they um, were looking to run a tour of the UK in 2008 um, and they wanted British representation on the tour. So they contacted me to be part of that tour as well. And um, off the back of that, then they signed me for a deal, um, you know, to, to, to go back to the state. So that would have been June, June 2009. I think their tour was August 2008. Um, and I worked those shows from in the UK. Is that like a Jeff Jarrett thing? Or who's at that point trying to get you and bring you in? Yeah, it was Jeff Jarrett that, that, that brought me in. Off Jeff and Dutch Mantel at the time were the two who saw me and decided to, to, to make that decision to bring me in. Were you familiar with TNA? With TNA? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. I actually worked a dark match for him back in 2003 at the Nashville Fairgrounds, funnily enough. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I obviously kept tabs on them over the years, and I'd seen a lot of my friends that had gone there and, and were, were doing well. So, yeah, I was, I was pretty familiar, familiar with them. Did they tell you what like their plan was for you? They they want to do this British invasion thing, or they want to put you in a team? Did they give you any kind of inkling of what they were going to do? No. With you? Well, when they signed me in two thousand eight, I still had four tours left uh, on my contract with Noah, uh, which were to run till February two thousand and nine. So it's pretty much agreed that I wasn't actually going to start with TNA until uh, spring two thousand and nine anyway. And in that time, whilst I was doing my last tours of Japan, they signed. Um, they signed Nick Aldis, and <clears throat> they obviously tried signing with him, which wasn't really working. So I think I got the call in May 2009 to say that we you know, we want to put you in a tag team with Nick uh, and, and Rob Terry as well. And then, uh, yeah, it all just went from there, really. Is that kind of not pressure, so to speak, but is that almost like, okay, this guy's young, he might be a little green to the business, you're experienced, you're the veteran you got to teach this guy the way or, or you kind of have to be this guy's mentor or there's none of that. That's just kind of unspoken. Oh no, it was spoken. No, oh, well, okay. So they flat out. Exactly told you. Okay. My role was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So they flat out told you like, this guy is green. Yeah. We love this guy. We love his look. You're, you're, you're a great worker. You're going to yeah. help teach this guy how to wrestle. You're going to, you're going to, you're going you're gonna to help teach these guys and you're going to, you're going to be the one that gets his team over. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. <laughs> that's great. They flat out just tell you, like, we like this guy, but he's green. You got to help him. Yeah, no, that's exactly exactly what they told me. And he'll admit it himself, Nick. If you ask him, he'll say, yeah, that's exactly the position he was in, and uh, he was grateful to be to be put in that position with myself, so I could help help get him over, help get the team over, and do everybody everybody's career a favor. As far as him, I just spoke to him not that long ago, and he basically okay. said you helped him immensely. Like he was very young to the business; he didn't know a lot of stuff, and you were like the veteran that was kind of teaching him the ropes, basically. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was, and you know, we had a few um, little spats and little arguments here and there, and no, you should do it this way. And, and, and at the end of the day, he listened, he learned, and and. Uh, you know, it's paying off now. He's he's phenomenal. You know, I think he understands the importance of um, self-promotion and getting yourself over as a presence. And um, then he's backed up with, you know, being more than capable in the ring. It's fantastic. So you keep up with uh, him and the NWA and him being the NWA champion? Oh, yes, I do. Certainly. Definitely. Definitely. Just... Just some food for thought or just a suggestion here, maybe to Billy Corgan or whoever's booking NWA. Since you're back and since you can return and maybe head over to the state sometime soon, he needs some title contenders for that title. He, I don't know. Does, yeah, yeah. I was, I was lined up for a match before, a title match before. Really? He, yeah, he was. He lost it to Cody, unfortunately. So uh, our match turned into a uh, number one contenders match instead. In the UK, this was filmed. But... Um, yeah, you know what I mean? The only thing I've never done in my career is win, win a, a world heavyweight title. So if I ever get that opportunity, I would love to have it. 
That'd be fantastic. Especially the NWA. I mean, wow. What a legacy. Think about the booking, though. You were like his mentor. You helped him along. You uh, never won a world title. You want to win a world title. He's the world champion. It just writes itself. It would be great booking. It, it does. It does. Isn't it? It's easy, isn't it? I mean, it's not. you don't have to give it that much thought. Like, you, there you go. You, you've just, you just said it in two <laughs> sentences. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see, hopefully, uh, just uh, somewhere down the line. As long as things start opening up soon, you know, I that's, think that'd be great. You know, that's that, the that, that's the uh, that's the caveat for any of this conversation, isn't it? All these things are great, but uh, we have to wait for things to open up, you know. When you guys are in TNA and British Invasion's kind of going along, you win the IWGP tag team titles, but right. necessarily you guys weren't supposed to win the title. Do you remember like what happened here? Well, we were, we were supposed to win them in context of we were booked to win them in the match. <laughs> right, right, right. Whether, whether New Japan were happy about it or knew about it or not <laughs> is a different story. Um, yep. Yeah, I was personally, I wasn't too happy about the fact that it, it didn't put me in a comfortable position, and um, it, it is what it is. So, uh, yeah. It's kind of weird, though. They... Boys pretty, I think Dudley Boys took more heat for it than we did, to be honest with you. So, kind of weird, though. That did TNA just kind of take it upon themselves? Like, yeah, we want a title change, even if you know we don't care that we didn't get New Japan approval for it. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And hey, it's on live pay per view. So, what are they going to do? Everyone's seen it, you know. Yeah. Did you say anything about it? Or you're just like, yeah, hey, I guess we'll just go along with the, what they want. Yeah, what can, I mean, what can you say? I was on, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to, you can't say no, I'm not doing that at the end of the day. Right. All you can say is, is, I mean, I don't, I didn't know that it hadn't been authorised at that point. It's only the aftermath where it became apparent to me that this wasn't necessarily signed off by uh, the Japanese, you know, and then that's when I became very uncomfortable with that situation. You know, going to the match, not that I would have said anything anyway, but I would have certainly expressed more concern about the fact that we were winning belts or winning titles that we weren't even supposed to be contending for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but at the end of the day, I left, or it was down to the decision of Team 3D because they were the champions and it was on their backs. And they decided to, to, that they could lose it. So whatever repercussions they had with the New Japan offices between them, really. Um, so, What did you think about working with Team 3D, known, known as one of the greatest teams of all time? Yeah, I, I love working with them. Their, their psychology, you know, the, the, the art of storytelling and putting a match together, fantastic. Fantastic. Very nicely run with them. So. Yeah. Beer Money, another great team during that time. You guys kind of wrestled a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, both fantastic workers, James and, 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 and Bobby. And, uh, yeah, we were the go-to match, really, for the tag team division at the time. They put some, all the house shows together. Every single loop, it was us against beer money. <laughs> and, um, I mean, uh, well, the tag team division back then was just stacked. And it wasn't, anyway, wasn't it? You know, you look at 2009, 2010. Um, you couldn't go wrong with the tag team division. It was fantastic. Yeah, even one point they had Booker T and Scott Steiner teaming. They kind of made a the main event mafia like a super team. Yeah, I know. I know. I love. And I've said this in another interview, and I'll say it again. Those guys, we worked them, and um, they made us look great. You know, they was they was generous with what they allowed us to do, um, as we were in in making them look great as well. So um, I really appreciated that. And uh, you know, so sometimes some of the older veterans, you think uh, you know, they're going to be a little bit standoffish with you but those two guys are absolutely fantastic couldn't couldn't working with them at all 
You guys do eventually win the TNA tag team titles. Do you feel like that's a big thing? You know, to a fan, we're always like, you like you said before, oh, like go to Wikipedia, look at all the titles. Like to fans, it's it's kind of like, wow, really cool. They they think of something of this team, the prestige of the titles. Do you as the wrestler think like, oh, this is great. I'm a tag team champion, uh, moving up the card and stuff like that, or is, or is it just kind of another day at the office? No, you do you do appreciate it, but you appreciate it in the fact that the office are giving you the um uh, are giving you a vote of confidence that you are the you know you are the figurehead of their promotion, um, and they you know they they have confidence in you to sell tickets, sell merchandise, be over and uh, with the fans, and and be able to do do your job effectively. So, from a wrestler's point of view, from my point of view, anyway, it's it's an honour to be given a type uh, a title for that for that reason. You are then that main you know you are that figurehead of that division or of the whole company as a whole aren't you, um, once you have that title. So you haven't won it as such, but it's an award to you for the work you've done to that to that point. And you also become X Division champion. You beat Amazing Red. A little bit different because X Division, it doesn't necessarily say Cruiserweight Division, but no, it kind no. of it kind of implied it, but then it was like Samoa Joe was the X division champion. And you had all these different guys that were way bigger than cruiserweights. And obviously you're way bigger than cruiserweight too. Um, you're more of obviously the heavyweight division. Oh. So was it cool to be the X division champion or was it kind of like, Oh, this is you know different. Uh, this is unique. Or did you think anything of it? Well, I loved it because um, it gave me a chance to do something really different to what I had done before, you know, getting that whole anti X division gimmick over and, and just mm -hmm. working. And I worked with guys that were great. I worked with guys that I knew really well and 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 just yeah, no, it was fantastic. And and also it's funny because um there's a little less pressure when you're when you're when you're when you're the world champion, there's a lot of pressure on you to deliver every time and, and just be the main centre of attention. When you're something like the X Division champion, you can have a lot more fun with it. You know, you can go out there, entertain the crowd, but it's just a lot less pressure on you. As long as you're doing what the promotion require of you within the context of the stories they've given you and the matches they want you to have, then it, then it's um, then, it, then it's, it's I find it a lot a lot better. And um, the great thing about the exhibition title was on all the house shows it was always the opening match as well. <laughs> so I'd <laughs> you be got out there early. early. That's it. Fantastic. <laughs> nice, nice. That's great. Smart. Gotta yeah. love that. That's it. You know, it's interesting too because you kind of kind of said the X division. You were like the X division bully, which was kind of a different gimmick mm. for that division. It was usually mm. like fast paced, great matches. It was cool to see something completely different from the X division too at that point. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's funny you say that though because on the house shows, I just do the general. I just do a normal X division match because you're the as I said, you're the opener, so that you want to warm the crowd up and get them really excited. So the matches are always all action, go go go. Um, so that never changed when I was the exhibition champion. And that that <laughs> just on TV, it was portrayed in a different light. Like I'm yes. the guy that's going to crown these guys and take them down. Um, so that was always really funny to me because you, know, you get to the house show, and the agents like you're on first exhibition title match, eight minutes, just all action. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> It's easy for you because interesting with you, you could do the heavyweight style, you could do the British style, you could do the strong style, you could do, I mean, you could kind of, and you could do the X Division style. So you're very adaptable where X Division title is great, but you can kind of work any style. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Lucha Libre, I probably struggle with, but other than that, yeah. Right. <laughs> now, as far as like, as you're kind of going through TNA, you know, obviously Dixie's still there and, and Jeff is kind of in and out at that point they bring in hogan and bischoff and that whole era where you and the ratings are like going crazy I mean, they're doing two million people are you thinking that this is going to really kind of be a competitor wb or are you just thinking this is a nice place to work uh you know i'm thinking i'm just getting on with my own thing really i was i was heavily into the exhibition story at the time concentrating on my own segments on tv and just making sure they were getting over um yeah i wasn't really focused on or, or distracted by the fact that this might, you know, it might become something bigger or it might, they're going to have this effect on the business. I was just concentrating on what I was doing and making sure that was working. What did you think about the Hulkster? I didn't have that much interaction with him, to be honest with you. He, 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 he pretty much obviously kept himself to himself, but also he was always just focused on his own segments, of which obviously I was never really a part of. 
think it's, oh, it's nice enough. You know, if you want to talk small talk, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, they put you in for, uh, Fortune with uh, Rick Flair and those guys, right? So you kind of, you know, getting a little bit of, you know, of, of the rub from the from the bigger guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. No, that, that, that's fair enough. And then I turned babyface on them and had a nice little look run leading up to the, the match with AJ Styles and the TV title. And I appreciated all that. That was that was, um, that was was good, Dan. It was a good learning experience for me. What did you think about working with AJ? I know you're going to end up winning the TV title, which kind mm-hmm. of is a, a little bit of a different title. They kind of morphed it into like a Legends title and a TV title, and they kind uh, of morphing into it. But what did you think about working with AJ? Oh, I loved it. I mean, fantastic. And it's, I mean, I've known him at that point. We're talking about 2010. I've known him 10 years. But we only worked three or four times together. So it was really exciting for us that we were finally able to get us, you know, a decent little run and, and a few singles matches under our belt. Um, and um, I know everybody sees that pay-per-view match we had where I won the TV title. Um, but we actually did a TV match on Impact as well that went over three it went across two commercial breaks, so it effectively did 20 minutes on TV as well. And um, personally, I actually preferred that match at the time. Um, right. But it's so hard to find that, unfortunately, nowadays. But it was real. I mean, just just love working, AJ. Fantastic. When you kind of are working your way out of TNA, obviously you lose uh, to Abyss, the TV title, but as you're working your way out of TNA, is, is it one of those things where you want to stay is it you just contract this up, move in a different direction? Like, how does the exit go for you? Uh, my contract wasn't up, but I think, therefore, there was a change in management. There was a change in creative, and um, I don't think I was really uh, built into their plans going forward from that point. So it was very quickly a change where I, as you say, I lost to Abyss, and then I just sat at home for a year almost <laughs> doing it. They brought me in the casual thing. I mean, I became the gut check guy almost. They bring me into the wrestle gut check. You know, they did the gut check matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I generally did those, or they bring me in to do an exposure match or anything. But yeah, I, I was pretty much out of any kind of um, main main programs mm-hmm. by that point. Um, as to why, I couldn't tell you really, but. Um, I was a I was a Terry Taylor guy. I was a Jeff Jarrett guy. I was a Vince Russo guy. All those guys had gone by by the end of 2010. So maybe that has something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You think yeah. too much too much change happened within TNA? Too many guys in and out? Maybe. Yeah, there was there was a big switch at that point, wasn't there? And um, it's strange, really, because it wasn't like they were doing badly by then. They were doing okay, weren't they? But I just think, um, yeah, people coming in made decisions to to um, overturn the management structure as it was at that time and take it upon themselves to uh, to manage everything. It is interesting to look at what they were doing now, like two million or doing then, excuse me, two million or so. I mean, they were have really good numbers. Look at it now; it's like one hundred and fifty thousand people. Mm. It's quite a change for them. Yeah, I know it is, but I mean, how many TV channels are they being on? <laughs> yeah, um, basically yep. a different company now, though, isn't it? Really, it's just impact by name. Um, so yeah, it's a shame for the guys working there, but uh, at least they're still going, and at least there's somewhere else for work for for guys to work. Very true. And you mentioned OVW before. You were a trainer mm-hmm. down there, right? You were the former OVW champion. Yeah. How did that? How did that kind of happen? Just you just left TNA and maybe Al Snow recruited you over. How did you end up in OVW? Uh, they'd formed a, de- um, a developmental deal with TNA, hadn't they? So I was still under contract to TNA, and TNA just sent me down there as a trainer to look after the younger guys that they that mainly the gut check guys actually that they'd signed, and they just wanted to get them a little bit of seasoning. Um, and you know, you know what I mean. I was I was negative on on being there at the time, and it wasn't. <laughs> You know, I mean, it was it was it was uh, stressful for me. But when I look back at it, there was some definite positives out of it. In that, um, I, I learned some skills that I hadn't picked up before: writing and booking television, um, agenting and, and booking house shows, those sort of things. I hadn't really been involved. You know, I've never been involved in previously within the wrestling, and, and I did a lot of that in OVW. 
and um, that was very interesting and 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 you know just gave me other strings to my bow really and other experiences that i can then pass on to 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 young guys coming up now it's one of those things where you're not really that old as far as like being a trainer was that like a different for you it's like wow i'm kind of in this role but i i, I stole my prime i could still go well that's the thing is now I mean, that was a frustrating thing for me really I mean, you know, they were giving me a paycheck, so I was doing what they asked, but ultimately I wasn't really happy. So, you know, when they did release me, it was kind of a sweet relief <laughs> on my part mm-hmm. because I could actually get back to doing some uh, doing some wrestling. As far as WB is concerned, I know you did some dark matches and stuff. Any, mm-hmm. like, inkling of wanting to work there or, or, like, needing to work there or anything like that, or you kind of not really on your radar? Well, it would nice to be. It would nice to be have uh, to do a a match for them now, you know, featured in some in some uh, in some way. That would always be a, a little, 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 you know, something to top off my career, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, just uh, if you look back at the past, it was just bad timing a lot of the times. I mean, I've, they 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 they've approached me. They approached me over the years six or seven times. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, I've either been in Japan or signed to TNA or or, or whatever. And I say there's a couple of times I've been for dark matches. Um, at that time, it, I wasn't what they were looking for. You know, um, I mean, we're talking, uh, you know, 2005, 2006, when uh, tall guys that weighed a lot <laughs> were were the order of the day. <laughs> yes, yes, and, um, yeah. So. Uh, um, It'd be nice. It'd be nice to to round off my career and maybe work some shows for NXT UK. But um, I'm not hanging my hat on it or anything like that. It'd just be a, a nice experience. Yeah, I'm surprised NXT UK because they're back. I mean, they're running. Um, mm. I feel like that'd be a perfect fit, even if it's just a a title challenge against Walter or something. I feel like it would be kind of perfect fit for you. Be nice. Well, I am contracted to Ring of Honor at the end of the year, so if anything happens, right. you have to next year. <laughs> right, just, right. Just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> right, of course. Do you watch, though, NXT UK at all? Like, I know you said you watch something, you watch the network. Have you seen Walter and a couple of those guys? A couple of them are pretty damn good. Yeah, no, I watch. I mean, I'm, I'm very familiar with Walter because, obviously, he's been in Europe forever before then. But um, uh, I will watch the odd match if I see it recommended online or something there. I'll, I'll watch him in Ilya. Have their match, yeah, great uh, match, all match, you know, and um, not. But I, I don't, yeah, I don't um, tend to watch the show on a regular basis. Just uh, for no other reason, I don't really have the time. Even in lockdown, you know, I'm not. I don't, you know, I have a lot of things to do around my house. I, I do have a regular job at the moment, so it's not like it's not like I'm not wanting to. It's just like. When do I find the time? Because I could, you know, it's like there's hours and hours and hours of wrestling per week to watch. Yes. Yep. So you have to pick and choose, don't you? Uh, Definitely. So, yeah, if I see something recommended online, you know, um, I'll, I'll try and catch that. That's about the extent of it. I wanted to also mention an old opponent of yours who's you know pretty big on the scene in WB right now, Drew McIntyre, back when he was Drew Galloway. I know you guys had a, a big-time match uh, more than a few years ago, but you guys have had uh, some matches in England. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I know Drew for, well, since he was a trainee, he used to come to some guest seminars I did, you know, and uh, uh, as you say, I worked with him. Uh, in fact, the last time, you know, when he had his run between WWE, when he got released by WWE, and then he subsequently went back, I wrestled him quite a few times, and uh, just, just a fantastic guy. Just looks tremendous can work hard, understands totally his character and how to portray himself in the ring. I think I think he's just fantastic. And he's well, uh, yeah. as well the bar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm jealous of him because he's so tall as well. But there he yes. goes. <laughs> I was gonna say he's one of those guys that Vince you know loves obviously but I was surprised that he got released when he did because he's like the prototypical, you know, looks great and stuff. He leaves he you know, rechanges his body, looks in great shape. He's he got even better somehow, and I, I mean, he really, really has stepped up his game the last couple of years. Well, sometimes I think they do that on purpose, release the guys with the full intent of bringing them back if they if they see that they've developed and they they've grown. You know, I mean, the same thing happened to Eddie Guerrero, didn't it, back in two thousand and 
2001-2002, they let him go. He did a few months, you know, just really working hard, getting back in shape, looking, and then come back fantastic. And Drew's exactly the same, exactly the same boat. Sometimes they'll see that talent, realise it's not ready, and, uh, and and just let it go for a little bit before. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure they kept their eye on him while he was out and about doing what he was doing on the independent scene. And I believe, oh, too, you wrestled Eddie, right, for uh, Frontier, for FWA, I think. Yes, I did. I did, yes. And that was a great learning experience for me. It was fantastic. What did you I think about it? it to be a world, I learned what it meant, what it needed. I learned um, what you needed to be in order to be a world-class professional wrestler, how I needed to step up my game in order to be to be that from that match. Put it that way. You like work with Eddie, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it was a great learning experience. It was fantastic. It was great. Now, as we head towards the finish, head towards the wind down, you're kind okay. of mentioning it before about the UK scene and stuff. I know progress wrestling is really big and stuff like mm-hmm. that. When the pandemic is over and, and we start getting back to things, do you think that UK scene can get kind of back to where it was? I mean, they were hot for a, a big extended period of time. They were bringing talents from all over the world. Well, yeah, I mean, I sure hope so. And part of my reason coming back is to try and assist in that in in, in that rebuild, if you like, of, of, of the scene. Because as you say, it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I was blown away. I came back in 2013 and really it was just on the start of that climb to being to being how it was in, in 2018, 2019. And uh, yeah, we can... Uh, if we can, well, if we can bring it even back to three quarters of how it was, then I'd, I'd be happy. Yeah, it'd just be great. It'd be fantastic. And I'm excited to see the new talent, you know, because a lot of the guys, obviously, that were part of the independent scene before lockdown all got swept up by NXT UK. Um, so I'm excited to see the talent that, have, that are going to step up and take those places on the independent shows and work with those guys and help them improve. Rev Pro, Progress, IPW. I mean, UK, the UK has a bunch of good promotions. And like they say, next man up. You know, in football, they always say next man up. Who, you know, if this guy gets injured or, or, or whatever, moves on to another team, who's the next man up? I feel like the UK scene, you know, you're going to help that along big time. Absolutely, definitely. That's 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 fully my intention, you know. And uh, also show um, the fans what I can still do as well. Definitely do that. <laughs> now, looking back... I mean, you've wrestled a lot of great names. You mentioned Eddie and Drew McIntyre, stuff like that, and Samoa Joe and Danielson and AJ. But do you have some favorite matches or favorite opponents? Because, you know, fans, they love kind of looking it up on YouTube, like, oh, Doug Williams, oh, he wrestled him or whatever. So if you're making maybe making a playlist or something where fans can go out, what would be the favorite matches or favorite opponents that the fans should definitely check out? Oh, well, I should definitely try and check out some of my matches against Chris Daniels. Love working him and, and Brian, as you say. Uh, you can find anything against. Uh, I don't know if you know. There's a UK wrestler, Johnny Storm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, great matches against him and Jody Fleisch as well. Always loved working him. Um, if you can find any matches with me against Marafuji online, definitely do that. Marafuji from Pro Wrestling Noah. Those are some of my favourite opponents. Just love working working those guys. Um, and then if you want some old school British wrestling, I suggest you try and find some of my matches against Johnny Kidd. I know there's a couple of them on on YouTube. He's a guy from. Uh, from the old world of sport era um, and just a classic example of, of, of old school British wrestling. Then, then watch those. Nice. Any regrets in the wrestling business? Like looking back, anything that you regret? Mm, I, I, yeah. I could say I should have made this decision rather than that at certain points in my career, but I don't think I regret anything now looking back. Not really. No, no. Um, I maybe might not have. Um, I maybe may have stayed in Noah a little bit longer than I did, and gone to TNA a little bit later. But no, other than that, I don't really have any regrets. Not now. I know you've got the return coming up, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be a big one. But what can we kind of look forward to from you? Are we going to see uh, this, the old you come back? You know, some chaos theories and stuff. Are we going to see the old you come back? Oh, yeah, I mean, my moveset's not going to change that much. It's not going to change that drastically. Um, how I present myself is, is in the ring and, and, and is really at the whim of the various promoters I work for. But also I think I need to kind of establish how I'm going to present myself as well going forward. I've got a few months to think about that before shows start kicking in as well. But um, yeah, you know, I've been thinking about 
about you know well because the last couple of years that, that yearly nuptial retirement it was more kind of the sympathetic baby baby face kind of veteran you know and the, you know just trying to keep up with the the young guys and just about managing it until it finally failed and I had to retire um you know to give to give the crowd the emotional story I'm coming back it's going to be a slightly different flavor and um it's not fully formed yet but we'll, I'm thinking about it and we'll, we'll see see how it transpires yeah. Now, as far as like somebody looking back at your career, like what would you say is like your stamp or your legacy, or how would they kind of describe you? Like, what would you say, like Doug Williams? Who is he? Um, what is he going to be like remembered for in the wrestling business? Uh, well, I hope to be be the guy that put British wrestling back on the map on a global scale, because it was very, very isolated uh, in the early to late nineties, and I helped bring exposure of the British style and British wrestling to the world um, again. And um, it all escalated from there, really. And there was no looking back. Once Once people realised that there was a British scene again and there were talented wrestlers here, which I was at the forefront of, um, people started getting more exposure and more work and actually appreciating British wrestling again, which had kind of been lost in the preceding 10 years. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that's my legacy. Nice. Now, as far as where everybody can find you and see you social media wise and everything else, please give us all the plugs and where everybody can find you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm on Twitter at Doug Williams UK. That's probably my main, that would be my main uh, information point for upcoming appearances, upcoming shows, where I'm going to be. Um, and also just as importantly on Instagram, it's uh, at Doug Williams GB. I generally put posts up of, you know, old wrestling pictures and parts of my career, what people, you know, you know, a retrospective, if you like, of, of, of various points of my career. Um, obviously, there's going to be information about upcoming appearances on there as well. They're my two two focal points of social media. Um, there's going to be an online wrestling store, open, a merchandise store opening up soon. Um, but obviously, they follow social media. They'll, they'll see when that's active too. Awesome. Great stuff. Doug, thank you uh, so much for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Everybody definitely look forward to the return as I'm glad you're coming out of retirement. This is pretty awesome. So Mr. Doug Williams, thank you so much. No problem, John. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.